Welcome to Redemption Church. You're listening to our weekly podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, well, I'm going to need your help with my introduction today. Can y'all do that for me? Can y'all help me with the introduction? Okay, one person's going to help me with the introduction. They say that you have 10 seconds to catch somebody's attention, and if you don't get it in 10 seconds, then they're not going to listen to what you have to say. And I really want you to hear me. I really want you to be able to pay attention today because it is very important. And so I'm going to need your help with this introduction. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put some words up on the screen, and then I want you to fill in the blank. Can you all fill in the blank? Okay, good, good. Okay, so we're going to fill in the blank. And so how about this one? From the bottom of my... Hearts. Yeah, you guys get this. I hope this one. I love you with all my hearts. I love you with my heart. It really is true. How about this one? It's a trick question. It's a trick question. Cross my hearts. You guys are so good. And here's the last one. Follow your hearts. What do all of those things have in common? It's all about the heart. And that's the same thing we're going to see today. If you have your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 4. Jesus is going to tell us a parable. And the point of the parable is that Jesus wants to know how is your heart? Because the heart is the most important thing. That your heart is the seat, the sum, the center. It's the source of all of the human experience. That everything flows from the heart. The heart determines who someone is, who they love, how they live their life, and what they're going to do with the rest of their life. Everything comes from, everything matters by the heart. And so today Jesus is going to ask you, how is your heart? And he's going to do it by telling us a parable. So if you have your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter four, we're going to start in verse one, and we're going to look at the parable of the soils. And this is very important. This is probably the most important parable that Jesus tells. And it's difficult for us to understand. It's confusing. And so you really need to listen. You really need to pay attention because if you miss this, you miss everything. But if you get this, then you're going to understand everything else. And so Jesus is going to tell us a parable and it really is about the heart. So here we are continuing our study in Mark's gospel, starting in verse one, chapter four. Again, he, that's Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. So Jesus is a preacher. Jesus comes preaching and teaching, and I love that because Jesus was a preacher. Now, in our day, we don't really pay much attention, and there's not a lot of appreciation giving to preaching and teaching, and I think the problem is is that most people don't really like listening, but Jesus was a teacher, Jesus was a preacher, and today, Jesus is going to do both, and so he's teaching beside the scene, a very large crowd gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea and he was preaching to them many things in parables and in his teaching he said to them listen and behold and so Jesus right here what we see is that he is preaching Jesus comes as a preacher and his preaching ministry is very popular lots of people come out they want to see Jesus they want to hear what it is that he has to say and there's massive crowds that begin to follow him and this is because the way that Jesus preached was so different than the way that everyone 
anyone else preached. We've already seen it that Jesus, he preaches circles around the scribes and the Pharisees. Whenever the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders, whenever they would teach, they bored people. That's like the worst sin in the world, to bore people with the Bible. And they would just bore people because they would read from dead guys and footnotes and notes about the footnotes and the appendix in the back, and they didn't teach with any sort of excitement. And then Jesus comes along, and whenever Jesus preaches, he preaches with passion. He preaches with excitement. He preaches with energy. When Jesus preaches, he has authority. He teaches and tells a story. And Jesus even, he sits on a boat while he does it. And Jesus, he's, he's, he's catching the attention of the people who's in the crowd. And the crowd is very large. We've already seen this crowd on several occasions through Mark's gospel. The crowd showed up whenever Jesus was healing and massive amounts of people began to follow him. Some commentators say that there were upwards of 5,000 people. I mean, this is the first megachurch. But the crowd is not always represented in a very positive light in Mark's gospel. That the crowd, they're not always there for the right reasons. Sometimes they're there because they want entertainment or they want to be pleased or they just want something from Jesus and they don't actually want to get to know who Jesus is. This is today probably the same crowd we saw in Mark chapter 3 where the crowds were crushing Jesus. Right? The crowds were so large that Jesus was fearful and afraid of his, for his life, and so he fled. And the way he did so is he got into a boat, and he goes across the sea. He goes back to Simon Peter's house. He wants to take a nap. He wants to get something to eat, make him a sandwich, put his feet up, watch the cowboys play. That's all Jesus wants to do. And then all of a sudden, the crowd shows up again, and they begin to bang on the door. Here we are, Jesus. You know, Come do a miracle for us. Perform a trick for us. Heal somebody. Here's my crazy stepmother, right? Cast out a demon. Jesus, do something. And Jesus is right there. He's listening and the crowd's like, jump, Jesus, jump. This is a circus. This is your big day. Perform for us. Entertain us. Do something amazing. Give us a sermon. And Jesus says, okay, you want a sermon? You want a sermon? Okay, I'm going to give you a sermon. And then Jesus says, listen, behold, Right. I'm going to preach, but you got to listen. You need to hear. You need to behold. Now, these words are, are very important. Listen and behold. These, are, these are words are very important because this is the only time in all of your Bible that these two words show up right next to each other. Jesus is saying, this is very important, that you need to listen. You need to hear. You need to behold what I am about to say because if you understand this, then you understand everything. But if you miss this, then you miss everything. You need to listen. You need to lean in. You need to focus on. You need to hear. You need to behold. You want a sermon? I'll give you a sermon. And Jesus, he preaches and he tells them this in the parable. And here's what he says. A sower went out to sow and he sowed and some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on the rocky soil where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up. And since it had no depth of its soil, when the sun rose, it scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and they choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. That's it. That's Jesus' sermon to the crowd. Okay, here's what Jesus says. He says, a sower goes out and he sows some seed. That's the sermon the crowd gets. So some seed, that it lands on a path, 
Okay, and then the birds come in and they snatch it away. Some seed falls along rocks and because there's no real soil in there, it hits the rocks, it can't produce any roots and then it just dies as well. A sower also sows some seeds among thorns and then it chokes it out and it dies and then the sower sows some seed on some good soil and it begins to produce good fruit, a harvest of 30-fold, 60-fold, sometimes even 100-fold. That's Jesus' sermon. That's it. That's what the crowd gets. And the crowd's thinking, what is Jesus talking about? Right? What does that even mean? A sower sows some seed? Right? That's the sermon we get? Like, that's why we came here? That's what you're going to give us? And what happens is the crowd, they walk away disappointed because Jesus says, a sower, yeah, okay, the seed, the soil, okay, I have no clue what we're talking about. Okay, how many of you, you would be disappointed if this is the sermon that you got? Right? If you're there and you're excited and you're ready and you're coming to church maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time and you, you come and you get ready and that's it. A sower sows some seed and some seed lives and some seed dies. Peace out. Like, I'll see you next week. Right? How would you feel if that was the sermon that you got? Okay, like some of you, you're, you're new. Right? You're new to church. Right? You're, you're new to faith. And this week you decided, you know what? I'm going to go to church. Right, it's been a while, but I'm going to go to church, and so I need to find me a, a good church. And so you're, you're thinking, and, and you're looking through social media. You find Redemption Church on Instagram, and you're like, oh, okay, that church, it looks pretty cool. Right? Uh, people there are about my age. The band's great. They've got a good kids' ministry. Okay, I think that I'm going to go to this church. And so you start telling your friends, you're like, I'm going to go to church this week. And your friends are like, you? Really? Seriously? Like, you're going to go to church? I hope they have fire insurance in case the building burns down. They're like, no, they're still meeting at Dixie. They're like, oh, that's totally fine then. Okay, then you're going to be okay. And they're like, okay, well, I'm going to go to church. And so, so you go online and you go to the visit page, you plan your visit and you try to think, am I going to go to the 930 service or am I going to go to the 1130 service? And you're like, well, if I go to the 930 service, then I can, you know, watch the Texans play. But if I go to the 1130 service, I could sleep in a little bit. And so you, you thought really long and hard about it and you decided, no, I'm going to go to the 930 service so I can have the rest of the day to be able to do what I want. And so you, you, you make the plan and, and you wake up on Sunday morning and you, you brush your teeth. Thank you for that. You pound some coffee. You wipe the crust out of your eyes. You get your kids ready, right? You load them in the car. You get in a fight with your spouse. You drive here downtown. You find you a nice little parking spot. You're a little bit early, but not too early, you know, because you don't want people talking to you, but you do want to find a nice little seat. And so you, you walk in, you navigate your way through all the greeters. You find your little spot right over there in the back and you sit there. And then all of a sudden the band plays. And you're like singing songs that you have no clue what you're singing. And then the pastor shows up on the stage. He gets up here and he says, hey, good morning, guys. A sower sows some seeds. Some live, some died. The end. Okay, I'll see you next week. Okay, you'd be like, really? That's it? That's, that's, that's all we get? Like All of this for that? I mean, come on. I was hoping for a little bit more. I was hoping, you know, a miracle would be nice. That water to wine thing, that was pretty cool. But I mean, I just would like for the sermon to make a little bit of sense. How many of you are confused at what Jesus is talking about? How many of you have no clue what Jesus actually means? You would be disappointed if that's what you got. And that's the same place that the crowd was. That the crowd, they were disappointed in what Jesus had to say, and the crowd walked away. I mean, just think about this. Jesus is the best preacher ever. 
right? He's already preached circles around everybody else. His reputation has gone out. Everyone knows Jesus is this amazing preacher. We want to go and we want to hear and we want to see what it is that Jesus has said. He's the greatest preacher. He's the, you know, has a mega church. 5,000 people are coming to see him. He's the wisest person who has ever walked the face of the planet. This is Jesus. And the crowd shows up and here's what they get. A sower sows some seed, some live, some died. Okay, the crowd, they leave, right? They're like, boo, I'm never coming back to this church again. The crowd, they just, they just leave and they walk away and they are disappointed. And that's the point. That's the point of the parable. So do you think, does this parable, does it really flop? Was Jesus really a bad teacher or is Jesus trying to communicate something else? Jesus was trying to show them something else and that's what the parables do. The parables expose the hearts of the people. And here, the crowd, okay, it exposed their hearts. So let me tell you a little bit more about the parables. Okay, parables are some of Jesus' favorite ways to teach. 35% of Jesus' preaching ministry is parabolic in nature. Okay, and so as the hostility and the objections and the resistance towards Jesus' ministry increases on his way to the cross, so does his parables. Because he's, he's trying to expose the hearts of the people. And the parables, they really serve two functions. Okay, on one hand, they can reveal to you who Jesus is. And so if you're there and you're, you're listening and you have a good heart, you have a right heart and you're there for the right reasons and the right motives and you want to learn and you want to get closer to Jesus and you want to figure out who Jesus is, then when you hear a parable, it's going to reveal to you Jesus. But if you're there for the wrong reasons with the wrong motives and you have the wrong heart, if, if you're not paying attention, well, then it doesn't reveal, it actually conceals. That it conceals the identity of Jesus and you walk away confused. The parables are designed to expose the hearts of the people. And here, the parable does its job. That the crowd, they were there for the wrong reasons. That they were there because they wanted Jesus to do something for them. They didn't want to actually get to know him. They were there for the wrong reasons. They wanted a miracle. They wanted healing. Or they wanted Jesus to do something amazing that they would never forget. But they didn't actually want to be with him. They wanted entertainment. They wanted to be pleased. They wanted a show. They wanted a performance. And because they didn't actually want to know Jesus, they walked away disappointed. So let me ask you this. Why are you here today? Why do you come to church? No, honestly, seriously, have you ever thought about that? Like, why do I go to church. Why are you here this morning? Why did you get up? Why did you come? Why are you sitting here and listening to me? Why? Why did you come to church? Okay, did you come because you have nothing better to do? If so, I'm sorry, right? Because I could think of 10 things that I could rather be doing right now than, than sitting here and listening to someone yell at me. I mean, what, what is it, right? Like, why, why did you come? Is it because you just want an hour without kids? Right? We have a great kids ministry back here, you know? And, and if you just need an hour, somebody please watch my kids. Just give me an hour, like just, just, just a break. Okay, Westgate has a great Mother's Day Out program. I mean, there's other things that you could do. I mean, why, why do you come? Is it because you, you, you want the coffee? Okay, to be honest, it's not very good. We got it from Sam's Club. Right, you could buy eight pounds for 16 bucks and you could make coffee for a lifetime if that's the reason you came. Like, you're going to be disappointed. Like, did you come here because you wanted to argue? You're probably going to win, right? You're smarter than me, you can win. Did you come here to debate? Did you come here to fight? Okay, you're probably going to win, right? I'll get a good left hook in, but you're probably still going to win. Like, why did you come here today? 
Did you come here for any of those reasons? Or did you come here because you, you want to get closer to Jesus? Did you come here today because you want, to, you want to know who Jesus is? Did you come here today because you want to know, is Jesus real? Is there hope for me? Is there a chance for me? Is there grace for me? Is there salvation for me? Can Jesus do anything in my life? Is there hope of redemption for me? Why did you come? If you came here for those reasons, you came here for the right reasons. But if you came here for any other reason, you're going to walk away just like the crowd, disappointed. And so, so let me do this. Okay, no judgment. I'm going to do this because I feel like Jesus does it in the text. So, so let, me, let me do this. Okay, if you are here and you don't want to hear what Jesus has to say, and you don't want to read the scriptures, and you don't want to understand, okay, what is Jesus talking about? If you don't want to grow in your faith, if you don't want to get closer to Jesus, and if you don't want to listen to the rest of this sermon, you're dismissed. Okay, no judgment. Like, we'll be here next week. We love you. Okay, but, but if you don't want to hear what Jesus actually has to say, then you're going to get the same sermon that Jesus gave to the crowd, right? A sower sows some seed, some lived, some died, the end. Okay, you're dismissed. Okay, but for the rest of us, Okay, we're going to stick around because we think that Jesus has something more to say. That, that Jesus, he's trying to tell us something that is, is very important. So if you want to stick around, if you want to hear what Jesus is actually saying, okay, then we're going to continue reading in the story. It, it continues. Okay, here's, here's what we see next. Verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the, with the 12 asked him about the parables. And so after the sermon, here's what they do. They go to Jesus. They go to him and they ask him about the parable. They want to know, okay, what are you talking about? What does this mean? Verse 11, and he said to them, to you it has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So if you're drawing close to him, Jesus is revealed. Okay, those outside, not listening, it's concealed. Okay, the secret of the kingdom of God, but those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Okay, how then will you understand all of the parables? Okay, the crowd, they, they, they walk away. Like they wanted a sermon, okay, but they didn't get what they wanted. They didn't get what they expected. And so the crowd, they walked away disappointed, but the disciples, they decided to stay. That the disciples, they, they decided, okay, well, I'm gonna, we're going to stay here and we're going to try to figure this out. We're going we're gonna to work through this. And so they, they go up to Jesus and they say, okay, hey, Jesus, I, I didn't really understand that. Like, I can see them talking to themselves. They're like, did you get that? I didn't get that. Right? Did, you, did you understand that? I didn't understand that. Like, you go ask Jesus. No, I'm not going to ask him. You go ask him. No, I'm not going to ask him. Okay, we'll go ask him together. And, and then Peter walks up. He's like, hey, Jesus, Master, Teacher, Savior, Lord, Jesus. That was an amazing sermon. I mean, it was so great. I mean, the use of alliterations, you know, three S's, right? Sower, seed, soil, brilliant. Rick Warren would be totally jealous. That was a great sermon. Just one question. Thomas doesn't understand it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Thomas, right? He's got his doubts. But I mean, come on, Jesus. Like, could you, could you explain this to Thomas? You know, I mean, me, I, mean, I totally got it. But, but really, seriously, like, um, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, do you not understand? They're like, I don't get it. He's like, okay, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it to you. And the disciples here, they teach us a very important lesson. If you don't understand something, ask. 
I mean, this is so important. Like when you're reading your Bibles, a lot of you, you're new to faith and you're beginning to read your Bible for the first time. How many of you, when you read your Bible, it's just right over the top of your head. You're like, there's words on the page, but I'm not picking up what it's putting down. Like it just, I, I, I got nothing, right? How many of you, that, that's, what, that's where you're at. Okay, don't be like the crowd and walk away. Be like the disciples and draw close to Jesus. See, Jesus, he wants you to understand this book. He wrote the book. He wants you to know the book. And if you don't understand something, just go to him and ask him, and he will explain it to you. So the disciples, they teach us this very important lesson. They go up to Jesus and say, Jesus, can you, can you explain this to us? And Jesus says, yes. But in order for you to hear what Jesus has to say, first, you must open up your heart. In order for you to hear what Jesus has to say, first you must open up your heart. Let me explain this to you for just a sec. Okay. At the beginning of this, Jesus says, listen, behold. And then at the end, he says, all you who have ears, let him hear. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Okay. A person hears with their ears, but they can only listen with their heart. See, hearing is a natural biological function of the human body. Okay. Noise happens, you hear it. Right, so whenever I clap, okay, you hear that. Okay, whenever I'm talking right now, you, you hear that. Whenever the band plays, they strum a note on the guitar, okay, you hear that. Hearing is a natural biological function of the human body. Everybody can hear, but not everybody listens. Right, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Okay, and, and when you listen, that's a decision. Listening is a choice. Jesus says, listen. You have to make this decision. You have to get quiet. You have to lean in. You have to focus. You have to pay attention. You have to open up your heart. Go beyond hearing, and you need to start listening. Jesus is always teaching. The problem is we are not always listening. And so the disciples, they go to him, and they say, Jesus, could you teach us the meaning of this parable? And Jesus says, yeah, sure, but first you need to open up your heart. First you need to listen to what it is that I'm about to say. And then Jesus, he goes and he explains it. Okay, and, and here's what Jesus says. He says, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll tell you what this means. He says, the sower sows the word. You're like, oh, I get it now. I'm like that, that makes sense. And so, so here's, here, here's the parable, right? Okay, the sower goes out and he sows some word. Right, he sows the seed. Everywhere the sower goes, he is sowing this seed. And so he's walking around and he's scattering the seed. He's sowing the seed. Everywhere he walks, everywhere he goes, he's simply sowing the seed. And then he goes over here and he sows some seed along the path. And as he sows seed along the path, well, then the birds come in and they snatch it away and it's not able to grow. But the sower, he just keeps sowing. So as he keeps sowing, he goes over and he sows some on rocks and there's a shallow layer of topsoil, but there's no depth in that. And then the, the seed sprouts, but there is no roots. And so it's not able to grow. And then it withers out and dies. The third one, the sower keeps sowing and he sows some seed and he goes over to the thorns and the, the thorns choke out the, the seed and it's not able to produce any fruit or any harvest. And the sower, he just keeps going. And he sows over here and he sows some on the, the good soil, on the fertile ground and the seed. It sprouts, it roots, and then it begins to bear good fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And the whole time, everywhere the sower goes, the sower simply sows the seed. Okay? And Jesus says, the sower sows the seed, and the seed is the word of God. 
And Jesus comes, and what does he do? He preaches. And what does he preach? He's preaching the word of God. Jesus comes as a teacher. Jesus comes as a preacher. And he's showing people, this is the way to God. This is the way to know who God is. This is the way for you to experience the presence of God. The first words out of Jesus' mouth in Mark chapter 1 is repent and believe for the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. And everything that Jesus does is to reveal this kingdom of God if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for grace, if you're looking for mercy, if you're looking for redemption, if you're looking for any hope of salvation, here I am. I am here. Everything you've been looking for, everything you've been longing for, everything you've wanted and hoped and needed is ultimately only found in me. And Jesus comes and he preaches the word. Jesus sows the seed. Okay, and, and here's what the seed is. The seed is the word. Okay, now the crowd, they walked away because they didn't like this. They didn't like to hear this. They didn't want to listen to this. See, this crowd, they were there because they wanted a sermon. But what they really needed was the seed. What they really needed was the word. And because they didn't like the seed, they walked away disappointed. Jesus says, the sower comes and he sows the seed. And the seed is the, the word. And when he sows it, it lands on four different types of soil. And the soil is ultimately representative of a person's heart. See, it's the heart that determines whether or not a person's going to hear or listen. It's the heart that determines whether or not someone is going to have Jesus revealed to them or concealed from them. It's the heart that determines the response. The condition of the heart determines the person's response. And because the hearts of the crowd were in the wrong place, they wanted a sermon and Jesus gave them a seed and they walked away disappointed. The sower, he sows the word. And so we're going to talk about the hearts in just a sec. But before we do, let me, let me tell you a little bit more about the sower. And we're going to talk about the seed. Okay, first we'll, we'll see the sower, right? The sower here ultimately represents Jesus. That Jesus comes and he preaches, he sows the seed everywhere he goes. But the truth is that all of us are supposed to be sowers in our everyday life as well. Right? That's what it means to be a Christian. You want to be like Jesus, and if so, then you need to be a sower everywhere you go in the midst of your everyday life. We are all supposed to be sowers. And I know right now, some of you, you're going to have some objections to this. You're going to think, uh, Byron, I'm not a sower, right? I, I didn't go to college, right? I, I went to public school. I don't even know like what the Bible's talking about, right? I don't think people are going to listen to me. I don't think people are going to pay any attention to me, right? I never took an apologetics class. I, I, I don't think that I can sow any seeds. So Byron, you're the sower. Right, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to listen to you. You cast some really good seed. Okay, I'm going to sit here and, and, and you're going to sow and I'm going to listen. That's the way that it works. That's not the way that it's supposed to work, though. Right, that we are all supposed to be sowers in our everyday life. Everywhere you go, at work, at home, at school, right, in your family, with your husband or wife, with your children, everywhere you go, you're simply supposed to be sowing the seed. The sower, he simply sows the seed. And I think oftentimes in our lives, we get so hung up and so focused on whether or not we're going to do a good job or a bad job that we actually don't do our job. The job of a Christian is that we are to be sowers. And sometimes in the church, we get so hung up on how a person sows. We think, oh, look at them. They're great sowers. They can cast a really good seed. I can't cast seed like that. Did you notice here that there is no mention of the effectiveness of the sower? 
right? It doesn't talk about the method or the style that the sower has, right? He's not talking about the wrist action of the sower, right? It's not talking about like the the functions of, of how they do it, the processes of step one, step two, step three. This is how you sow a seed. It doesn't talk about that. It doesn't talk about like, oh, you know, how did they sow? Did they use the presuppositional method or did they use the Van Til, like a classical apologetic method? Like how did they, how did they sow? Did they, did they sow like a Calvinist? Did they sow like an Arminian? Did they sow like Stephen Furtick? Did they sow like Mark Driscoll? How did they, how did they sow the seed? Oh, those people, they sow some great seed. I could never sow seed like that. So I'm not going to sow my seed. I'm going to sit back here and I'm going to make excuses as to why people won't listen to me and why people won't pay attention to me. And I'm going to say no for them. And I'm not going to give them the opportunity to do that because, you know, I say, um, 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 too much. And, you know, I took a personality test and I'm an INFP. I'm just an introvert. That's not my personality. That's not who I am. So I'm not going to sow the seed. Stop making excuses and just sow the seed. Just sow the seed already, because here's what you'll find out, that the power is not in the sower. The power is in the seed. That if you sow the seed that is the word of God, if you give people the word of God, you will be shocked to discover that this word can go deeper, further, faster, and cause more growth in a person's life than you could ever imagine because the power is not in you. The power is in this. The power is not in the sower. The power is in the seed. Just give them the seed already. Give them the seed. And I know this because this is my story, right? This is, this is, this is my life, right? Whenever I, I became a Christian, I, I didn't believe this, right? I, I didn't believe in the, in the word of God. I really struggled to understand the word of God. And as I became a Christian, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I believe this. I don't know if I believe in the Bible. And I knew that I had an encounter with Jesus. I knew that I experienced Jesus, Right, but I, I didn't like it. And be honest, as I came to the Bible and I started reading it, I was like, you know what? There's a lot of things in here that I disagree with. There's a lot of things in the Bible that I found offensive. There's a lot of things in the Bible I found culturally outdated or irrelevant. And I didn't really, I didn't really want to read this book. But I, Jesus and the Bible, they kind of go together. It's a package deal. And so I decided, well, I need to figure out what this book actually means. And so me and a couple of friends, we got together and we started studying. We started reading our Bibles. And we decided, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give it one year. We're going to read this Bible from cover to cover in one year, and whatever it says, that's what it is that we are going to believe, and we're going to trust it, and we're going to see where it leads us. And so we opened up the Bible, and we started reading it, and before long, here's what we noticed. The Bible was actually reading us, that the Bible had dug down deep in our hearts, and it produced growth. In that year, 20 of my friends got saved. Three of us got called into full-time ministry. Me and Ashley got married. The Word of God, it changed my life. I know that this word can change you because this word is the seed that brings growth. So let's talk a little bit about the seed. Okay, here's what we know. This seed is good. Okay, this seed is perfect. There's not a problem with the seed. Okay, if if there's something wrong in your life, the problem is not with the seed. The problem is with something else. Okay, this seed is perfect. The seed is good. The seed is true. This is the word of God. 
right? This is God's word. You don't have to guess or speculate about who God is because he has already told us in his word. Everything that you need to grow in your life is found here in this seed. God's word is timeless. It's true. It's trustworthy. It works 100% of the time, every single time, right? This is good seed. If there's a problem and you're not growing in your faith, the problem is not with the seed. The problem is with something else. And oftentimes what we do in our life is we get so hung up. We think, okay, it's not working. I'm not growing. This Christian life is not happening. Something is wrong. I got the wrong seed. Okay, you don't have the wrong seed, right? This seed is good. But what you and I, we, we tend to do is we think, I have the wrong seed. I, I'm not growing, right? This isn't working. I need new seed. I need better seed. I need different seed. And so we trade our seed for something else. And so we take this word and we start adding other things to it. And maybe it's other religions or maybe it's other people or maybe it's other people's opinion of you. And maybe if I just have this and maybe if I just have that or if they will say something to me, then everything will be perfect and everything will be happy and then I will finally grow. I need new seed. Listen, the problem is not with the seed. The problem is with something else. This seed is good. Right, whatever God wants to do in your life, he will bring the growth through the word of God. God's word is true. God's word stands the test of time. That God's word has gone forth and everywhere it goes, in every place it goes, in every heart this word lands. It brings growth. It brings change. It transforms people's minds, people's lives, people's legacies. Everywhere this word goes, it brings growth. That nations have risen and fallen, but God's word still stands, that kings and kingdoms have come and gone, but God's word still stands, that political ideologies and religions and philosophies have come and gone and crumbled and crashed and fallen and died, and God's word still grows. If there's a problem in your life, the problem is not with the seed. The problem is with the soil. The problem is not this word. The problem is your heart. The problem's not with God. The problem is with us. The problem's not the seed. The problem is the soil. And so Jesus is going to ask you, he says, how is your heart? Which heart are you? Which heart represents your life? See, Jesus, he wants to get the word in your heart. So which soil best represents you? So Jesus, he's going to tell us a little bit about the, the soils. And he's going to ask, how is your heart? And the first one is this. He wants to know, do you have a hard heart? Verse 15. And these are the ones that along the path where the, world, where the word was sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes in and takes away the word that is sown in them. Jesus here says that this heart is like a sidewalk. Okay, it's just the well-worn path. It's concrete, it's hard, it's the way that everyone walks. So this is just the way that life is, right? This is the culture and this is the trends, this is the world that we live in, this is what's viral, this is what's vogue. You have your worldviews shaped by YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and hashtags. Like, this is your life. Whatever other people are doing, that's just the way that you keep going. You have a hard heart. And right now, as the word of God is coming over your life, what you're thinking is, I'm not going to pay attention to this. You're thinking, I'm going to reject this. I'm not going to receive this, that this pastor, he's not talking about me. He's talking about somebody else. 
right? Obviously, you know, this is not true. This is outdated. This is culturally irrelevant. It's not important for my life. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen. And you think, no, 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 no. I'm a good person. I have a good heart. No, you have a hard heart because you're not listening to what Jesus has to say. Instead of receiving, you're rejecting. You have a hard heart. And here's how, here, here's how, here's how this happens because of Satan. You're like, I don't believe in Satan. That's fine. It doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. He's already at work in your life. That he has come in and he has blinded you and he has deceived you. That as soon as the word of God falls on your life, he comes in and he snatches it away. Because he knows that this word is powerful and that if you actually believe what's in this word, it will change your life. And he comes in and he deceives you. He thinks, don't listen to that. That's the, that's the Bible? People still believe the Bible? Really? Don't be one of those people. Christians are just hypocrites. Christians are intolerant. The church is lame. The church is boring. The Bible, it doesn't even make any sense. I'm not even sure if Jesus was a real person. You really mean to tell me that you believe those things? Don't listen to that. Satan wants to come in and he wants to deceive you. But he'll also distract you. He'll distract you right now as I'm preaching. You know, you're like, I don't want to hear this. So I'm going to check the scores on the game. Right? I'm going to think, where am I going to go out to eat after lunch? What do I have coming up this week? What does my schedule look like? Right? Oh, you know, what, what are people, did anybody double tap a picture on Instagram from me this week? Like, we, we just think, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to be distracted because Satan, he doesn't want you to hear this, this word. Because he knows that if you get this word in you, it is going to change you. And so right now what happens is you're developing this hardness of heart because the word's not getting through. And listen, there's some people, they just have a hard heart. But some people, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, they're not going to hear it. They're not going to listen. And sometimes the more that you say, the harder that heart gets. And you can try to argue with them and you can try to debate with them. But listen, you cannot argue somebody into a relationship with Jesus. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. I've tried. It doesn't happen. The only thing you can do for a hard heart is to pray. That's it. That's the only thing that you can do. You can try to even just see if there's a a miracle that Jesus is going to do in your life, but it doesn't matter even if Jesus were to give them a miracle of the Holy Spirit, it still wouldn't be enough because their hearts are hard and their mind is made. They're going to make every reason, every rationalization, every justification as why their life is the way that it is. You can't argue with them. You can't debate with them. You can't even give them a miracle. I know this because this is what Jesus does all throughout Mark's gospel. That later on in Mark's gospel, he's going to turn to the scribes and the Pharisees and to say, if the same miracles that were done in front of you were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, that city would still be standing today. Woe for you on the day of judgment day because your heart is hard. The only thing you can do for a hard heart is pray. You just pray that the Holy Spirit's going to show up, take a jackhammer to that hard heart bust them up a little bit so they could be receptive for the seed. But other than that, the only thing you can do is pray because some people, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, they have a hard heart. No matter what you do, they have a hard heart. Other people, they have a shallow heart. Here's what we see next, that some people have a shallow heart. Starting in verse 15. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. Now, I want you to note that there's a difference between a, uh, a sidewalk heart and rocky ground. 
Okay, the sidewall cart, that's like concrete. That's the path that everybody walks on. Rocky ground is a little bit different. See, in Israel, what they had in that day was um, there was a uh, there was limestone everywhere underneath the soil. And so it looked like it would be fertile soil. It had a thin layer of topsoil, but underneath it, it was all rocks. Okay, so it was about an inch deep, and then below it, it was rocky soil. And so what looked like it would be good fertile ground actually would be a seed that falls among rocks. And so he says, this is the seed that's sown on the rocky ground. He is the one who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves and they endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Now notice here that Jesus says, when tribulation comes, he doesn't say if, Okay, how many of you are hoping for if? You're like, okay, if tribulation comes. Okay, just maybe, possibly, I'm not saying yes or no, but just put it in your pocket, it might happen. I don't know. Maybe if tribulation comes. No, Jesus doesn't say that. He says, when tribulation comes, because guess what? It's coming It's coming. I don't know if anybody ever told you that life is hard. If the pastor said, oh, it's going to be great. Give your life to Jesus. What could go wrong? That pastor lied. Okay, life is hard. Life is hell. Get a helmet. Welcome to redemption. Life is hard. When tribulation comes, because it's coming, and Jesus says, there's a small window of God's grace that's over your life when you first become a Christian. That there's a small window where God is nourishing you. God is nurturing you. God is providing for you. He's protecting you. He's pouring his love and his grace over you because he wants that seed to be able to dig down and to to develop just a little bit more and it begins to sprout and it looks like it's beginning to grow. And when tribulation comes, when life gets hard, when the sun rises and whenever the heat scorches, whenever the winds and the rain and the weather and the storm storms come, this person washes away. Why? Because they had no root. Because they were shallow soil. This is probably the hardest part of my job. As as a pastor, this is probably the most confusing and the most difficult part of my job is to see people come into the church, hear the word of God, and they think, this is amazing, this is exciting, this is awesome, and they they, want to become a Christian, and they want to go to next steps, and they even sign up for a serve team, and they, they, they get involved in the church, and they think, I love this church, I love redemption, and they go out, and they tell all their friends, and they make, you know, Facebook Bible verse posts and they hashtag on Instagram, we are redemption and they get so excited for three weeks and then they're gone. And you're like, what happened? Where did they go? Right? When life gets hard, when things begin to happen, when, when there's trials and tribulations in this person's life, they're gone. They disappear. They ghost you. You don't know where they're at. You don't know what happened. You're like, how in the world is it possible for somebody to receive the word with joy and then turn around and walk away? Because they had no root. Let me say it another way. They were never saved in the first place. How many of you have been told once saved, always saved? You ever heard that? Okay, some people will say this. They'll say, oh, if you pray the prayer, if you pray the magic prayer, right? If the pastor gives the altar call, you raise your hand, you come down front, and you can cry real tears. And if you pray that prayer when you're 10, then you can live your life and sin the rest of you want. But as long as you prayed that prayer, you're in. Okay, that's not what Jesus says. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says you can receive the word with joy. 
You can have a real experience. You can cry real tears. You can get really emotional. You can even be passionate. But when life comes, if you fall away, you were never saved in the first place. See, let's not mistake wishful thinking for theology. There's going to be a lot of people who are banking their salvation on a one-time decision. And there's no evidence of God's Word in their life. Let's not mistake wishful thinking for theology here. This is what, this is what Jesus is saying, that, that if you have shallow soil, you sprout a little seed, but you have no root, when life comes, washes them away. See, people get excited about a lot of things. People get excited about a lot of things. The proof of salvation is not in your passion. Like, that's not the proof of salvation. Salvation is not a one-time decision. It's a lifetime decision. Right? That's not what salvation means. It's not about an experience. We believe it's about perseverance. That we don't just believe once saved, always saved. Yeah, a hold to eternal security, but we want to represent the perseverance of the saints. That true saints persevere until the end. How do you know if someone's saved? It's not based in their experience. It's based on their perseverance. That when life gets hard, when the sun comes, when the wind comes, when the rains come down on a true Christian, that just allows the root to dig down deeper, to spread down deeper and produce a greater harvest in their life. The rain and the storm and the sun on a true Christian enables them to grow in the same storms on a shallow heart, washes them away. Jesus wants to know, how is your heart? So there's a hard heart, there's a shallow heart, and then number three, there's a worldly heart. Verse 18, and others are those who are sung among thorns. These are ones that hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. See, the worldly heart is the person who says, I really want the word. Oh, but I really want the world. I really like the word. Oh, but I, I, I really like the world. Okay, I really, I, oh, I desire the things of God, but there's other pleasures and there's other things in this life that I, I desire more. I want the world, but I also want the word. Can I have both? A worldly heart is a divided heart that you want both the world and the word at the same time. And you're wondering, can I have both? And Jesus says, no. You can't have both because the world will choke out the word every single time. You can't have the world and the word that your pleasures and desires in this life will either be found in the Lord or in the ways of this world, in the word or in this world, in the Lord or in this life. But you have to decide where is your desires going to be? Where is your passion going to be? Where is your purpose going to come from? Is it going to come from the word or is it come from the world? Because you can't have both. And I see this. Right? This is just the way 21st century American church looks. Right? People, they, they want both. They want the world and the word at the same time. We have people who come into our church and they're like, I need a job. I want a job. And I want you to have a job. I want you to get that new job. Right? Because we're praying for you. And then people, as soon as they get the job, they're gone. Right? Because they wanted the world and they didn't really want the word. 
Right? I've seen it, people who, you know, they're, they're sick and they need healing. And at Redemption, we truly believe in divine healing. And so we'll pray for you. And I've seen people be healed and walk away because they wanted the world and they didn't really want the word. Right? I've seen it in young girls who are single and they, they want to meet a guy and they want to get married and they want to have kids and they want to start a family and they want to have a future. And then a guy shows them a little tension and they think he's cute, but he's not a Christian. And so they think maybe I can change him and maybe I can save him. And so they start dating him and then they move in with them and then they start having sex with them. And then pretty soon they're not on the team. They're not in their group. They're not coming to church anymore. The guy's not following Jesus. She's not following Jesus. They're gone because they wanted the world instead of the word. I see this in, in young men, young men who don't want to grow up and the word causes you to grow and young men don't want to grow up. And so you think, well, I'm just going to live at my parents' house. I'm going to play beer pong and work a part-time job at Guitar Center and keep partying for the rest of my life. And you don't grow up because you want the world instead of the word. But it doesn't have to be so nefarious. It could be very subtle things. It could be parents. As parents, you want the best for your kids. But if, you're, if your heart's in the wrong place, that kid's going to be the center of your home. And then all of your life orbits around your kid. And you want to give every opportunity to your children. You want your kids to have the best life and experience things that you never were able to experience in your life. And so you send them to the best schools and you sign them up for 30 extracurricular activities and you're bringing them to dance and you're bringing them ballet and they're in band and they're taking karate and they're taking karaoke lessons and they're doing underwater basket weaving and everything. And you're just running around like crazy. You got an IV pump of coffee just keeping you going. You're in debt up into your eyeballs. There's no margin in your life and you haven't been to church in three months, six months, five years. You haven't read your Bible. You haven't prayed. You haven't studied. You're not in community group. You're not serving. You're not in Christian fellowship. And then you look around and you wonder why little Johnny doesn't love Jesus. It's because the world has choked out the word. Not only in your life, but now it's affecting your kids. The world will choke out the word every single time. I mean, listen, listen to me. Let me ask you this. How much would it cost me to pay you to never come to church again? I know some of you are thinking, if you paid me to come to church, I'd be a regular. But how much would it cost for me to pay you to never come to church again? How much would it cost for me to pay you to never pray again? How much would it cost for me to pay you to never read your Bible? Would you do it for $500,000? Would you do it for a million dollars? Would you do it for five million dollars? Five million dollars to never read your Bible again. You say no, but a lot of you are doing it for free. But you don't, you're not connected in a church. You're not reading the word. You're not getting the word in your heart. And the world is choking out the word. And you wonder, how did I get here? Jesus says, because you can't have both. These are hard words from Jesus, right? The parable's not just a cute story. It exposes our hearts. There's more to the parables than people think because the parables are to expose the hearts of the people. And Jesus wants to know, how is your heart? So lastly, he's going to tell us about the good soil, about the good heart. Verse 20, But those who are sown on the good soil are the ones that hear the word, and look at this, they accept it. Hearing, not with their ears, but with their heart. It's the person who hears the word and accepts it. This is the good heart because it bears good fruit. See, the proof of salvation is in the fruit of salvation. The root produces the fruit. 
A good heart bears good fruit. And look at the harvest that Jesus wants to bring in your life. If you hear the word and you accept the word, look at the harvest here. 30-fold and 60-fold and a hundredfold. If you get God's word in your heart, if you open up your heart, if you are ready, if you are receptive, if you can receive God's word, then God's word will change you. God's word will save you. God's word will form you. God's word will transform you in your life. But you gotta get this word in your heart. God wants to do something amazing. God wants to do something incredible. God wants to do something special and wonderful. He wants to do 30-fold, 60-fold, even 100-fold in your life. But in order for you to experience what God has for you, first you got to get God's Word in your heart to hear it and to accept it and to believe it. If you want to experience life change through Jesus, you got to get the Word in your heart. If you want to experience the presence of Jesus in the kingdom of God, you got to get God's Word in your heart. If you want Him to heal you, if you want Him to give you hope, if you want Him to give you mercy, if you want to know who Jesus is, then you got to get God's word in your heart because good hearts are good soil that produce good fruits. And some of you, this is such good news because you come here today and you think, I have a bad heart, I have a hard heart, I have a shallow heart, I have a worldly heart, I have a broken heart, and there's so much grief and there's so much shame of all the decisions that you've made. And you're here today and you're wondering, can I be saved? Is there anything that I can do? Is there anything that I could do to make Jesus love me? And the answer is no. There is nothing that you could ever do because the soil doesn't do anything. The only thing that the soil does is receive. The soil just receives the seed that Jesus today, he's sowing the seed over your heart. He's sowing the seed into your soil. The only thing you need to do is just hear it and accept it and open up your heart and repent and believe it and Jesus will change you. There's nothing you can do. The only thing you need is to receive this seed. And others of you, you're here today and you're hearing this and you know this seed works. You've been a Christian for a while. You've been following Jesus for a while. And you can say, yeah, I know this seed works. Why? Because you see fruit in your life. That everywhere you go, everywhere you look, at home or at work or in your children, in your marriage, you see fruit in your community group. You're seeing fruit in your serve team. You're seeing fruit in your church. You're seeing fruit. And you know this seed works because good soil produces good fruit. And here's the good news for you. For those of you who have been Christians for a while, listen to me. God wants to do more in your life. Look at this. Some of you, you're at 30-fold. God wants to take you to 60-fold. Why stop at 30 when God has 60 for you? Why stop at 60 when he wants to take you to 100 fold? And the good news for those of us who are following after Jesus is there's always room to grow. That if you keep giving your heart to Jesus, if you keep getting the seed, if you keep getting it into the soil, then God wants to bear good fruit in your life. And there's always, 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 there's always room to grow. And so... Let me ask you today, how is your heart? See, the crowd, they walked away. It's not because they didn't like the sermon, it's because they didn't like the seed. They had the wrong heart. But the disciples stayed, they, they listened to what Jesus had to say. And Jesus wants to know, how is your heart? 
Some of you today, you would have to say, you know what, I have a hard heart. You come here and you, you're not listening. You're not receiving. But instead, you're rejecting. And you're thinking, this isn't about me. This has nothing to do with me. This is about somebody else. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen. I'm not going to believe it. You have a hard heart. Some of you come here and you have a shallow heart. You're an inch deep. You receive the word with joy. You get really excited. You'll tell people you're a Christian. But when you look across the hardships and the pains and the difficulty of life, you never were one. Others of you have a worldly heart that you want both the world and the word at the same time. That you desire the Lord, but you really desire the things in this life. You have a worldly heart. And some of you are thinking, okay, well, here's my heart. How can I be saved? What do I need to do? How do I get this good heart? I got one more fill in the blank for you. Y'all ready? Give your heart to Jesus. That's it. That's all you have to do. See, Jesus is the sower. He comes and He's sowing the Word over you today. He comes and He says, hey, here I am. I am the way to salvation. I am the way to true life. I am the way for hope. I am the way for grace. I am the way for mercy. I am the way for redemption. I am the way for your salvation. That Jesus comes and He sows the Word with His perfect life. He comes and He lives the life you never could live. He dies the death that we deserve because of our sin. He goes to the cross in our place. He's buried and He resurrects, giving us new life, new hope, new passion, new promises. And He gives us new hearts. That if you have a hard heart, give it to Jesus. He'll give you a new one. If you have a shallow heart, just give it to Jesus. He'll give you a new one. If you have a worldly heart, give it to Jesus and he'll give you a new one. And if you have a good heart, keep giving it to Jesus. And he will bring about good fruit in your life. Redemption Church meets every Sunday morning on Crockett Street at the gig. If you would like to know more, you can find us online at www.redemptiontx.com or join us for one of our two services at 9.30 or 11.15 a.m. Sunday mornings in downtown Beaumont. Kids are welcome too. We are Redemption, and we would love to meet you.